Welcome to Your Best Writing Life. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. My name is Linda Goldfarb. I'm your host here every single week. And what we like to do is we like to bring experts in the industry on so that they can share a little bit about themselves and also be able to share information that you need to have, whether you're an inspiring author or you're a beginning writer or you're a best-selling writer, author, speaker, let me tell you, we're going to have something for you that you can glean from in order for you to experience your best writing life. Today, I've got my guest, and I will tell you, if you are someone who is like, you know, I wish I had someone who could just kind of help me along my path. If I had someone who would come alongside or just tell me, you could do this, you can do this. Our guest today is that guy. His name is Larry J. Leach the second. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Larry, but this is, this is the coach that you need to find out a little bit more about because we're only going to be getting about, oh, I don't know, maybe two, three, four, if we're lucky of his magic 25, but he's going to be gifting you with his magic 25. You'll find out everything that that's about. So just know in the show notes, you're going to be able to find how to get in touch with Larry. You're going to be able to download his magic 25. And be sure to check out our monthly writing tips and soul care tips for writers. We change them up every single month. So you're going to want to download those. That comes from Diane Mills and, and Edie Melson. You got to make sure and get your copy of that. While you're out there on the web, please make sure and go over on Facebook to Your Best Writing Life and join our Facebook group. That way you can find out a little bit more about the guests that we have on. And maybe even with Larry, maybe I'll be able to coax him into coming on to Facebook Live on the day that his show airs. So I look forward to seeing you there and having conversation with you as well. Let me tell you just a little bit about Larry. He has ghostwritten almost 30 books. Okay, that's three zero. 30 books, folks. Can he come alongside someone who maybe is not comfortable writing their own stuff? Yes, he can. Does he have that built-in ability to see where you could get hung up or maybe where you need to extend yourself a little bit more? Maybe you're stuck on words. We're going to be talking a lot about words today. Larry is the guy who will come alongside you. Here's another one. He's done over 13,000 interviews. No pressure here, folks. No pressure at all. I almost want to exchange mics. I think we talked about this before coming on the air is Larry's like, hey, I'll come over and sit in your seat. And I'm like, well, we could do that. Maybe another time I'll bring him on to do that. He was a journalist for 23 years and he started three months out of high school. This is an individual who not only has dedicated his time to the word, to writing the word, sharing stories, being able to invest in the lives of others through written word. He's someone who has lived out a lot of story. And we're going to have him help us today, help you to maybe find out how you can best write out your story and experience your best writing life. So I'm welcoming right now, Larry J. Leach II. Good to have you on the show. Linda, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate you taking time. Well, Larry, we talked at the beginning about the Magic 25. 
So you're going to share with us kind of what that is, and we'll make sure that everyone has a link to it mm -hmm. so that they can, after, after our program today, make sure and go to the show notes and download yours. And then I'd like you to choose a few of them that you want to share with our audience today. And I know that your coaching area or the, the really kind of the, the groove that you love to be in is with beginning writers. So yes. tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit too about how you got into coaching. I'd like to, I'd like to hear some of that. Okay. So do you want me to tackle magic 25 first or the coaching? Oh, Okay, do Magic 25 first. Right, see, here's the interviewer coming out of the That meeting. is, you are so good. You are so good. I just want everything from him, everybody. That, that's the key. So let's talk Magic 25 first. Okay, Magic 25. The Magic 25 is a group of words that, or phrases that I believe hinder a person's writing. A couple examples are progressive tense verbs, uh, to be verbs, the word that, exclamation points, although that's not a word. You know, publishers that I've worked with over the years, they they don't want a lot of exclamation points in, in manuscript. They would rather the words express what need to be said instead of just putting an exclamation point on it. The progressive tense is one that I see a lot when I edit and I coach. That is a verb construction typically with was followed by an ing verb that indicates action happening 24 hours a day, seven mm. days a week. For instance, if you said or wrote, I was interviewing Larry, well, your husband probably would get tired of you interviewing Larry for 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week. You know, he might want some Linda time. The best way to fix that is just say, I interviewed Larry. Just use the simple past tense. Another example that we see is I was walking across the streets. Again, it's the was verb with an ing verb. Just write, I walked across the street. Making it simple. Simple is better. It's clearer. And plus, it's not cluttered. It's not cluttered. It also reduces word count. Mm. Because in our industry, everything is predicated on word count. So you're using one word instead of two words. So you have that other word now to use somewhere else. Ooh, that brings value. And that's what we want in our writing. We want our writing to be reflective of the message that we're wanting everyone to get. And at some point in there, you're going to need a few of those extra words to be able yeah. to put in there that really makes your writing unique and makes your writing pop. Yeah, exactly. And that is a nice segue into another word on the list. We often see qualifiers. Mm. She was so pretty. Okay, so pretty. Well, if you write gorgeous, you reduce your word count by one there again. He was so handsome, or quite handsome, that's another one. Again, you can just say handsome. Mm. We don't need that qualifier. He's really handsome or not handsome. He's not going to be handsomer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to say it. Well, how much handsome, more handsome can he be? He's handsome or he's not. Exactly. So you don't need to qualify quite. Okay. And, you know, I go back to word count. We have to, as writers, make every word count. Mm. I was taught years ago when I transitioned from journalism to the book industry, a great book is not the information that's in there. Mm. It's the information you leave out. Oh. Because what you leave out 
does not bog down the reader. The information that you leave in is the pertinent information they need. And this applies to fiction and nonfiction. Right. Because if you add too much description, too much setting in fiction, you bog the reader down or unnecessary dialogue. In nonfiction, at the end of a paragraph is typically where I see this. You throw in one more sentence to make sure that the reader gets the point you're trying to make. You don't need that. Pull that out so you don't bog down the reader and you don't insult their ability to comprehend what you're trying to say. That is something that I was instructed on with my writing. My tendency is, is I want to make sure that when I make a point, they really get the point that I'm making. And so I will remake the point. And my editors have said, so like we got you on the first one. Don't don't keep telling us like we were in a different room and we actually didn't hear you. You're saying that's very commonplace. It is commonplace. And I notice it often. And this is not a criticism. Speakers are taught to make a point three times. Ah, Well, we don't have to do that when we write our book. So if you're a speaker who wants to write, be aware of that when you write. It's a different voice. It's a different way to communicate, you know. Well, I like that because I would consider myself, or I have said in the past, I'm a speaker who writes. Mm -hmm. I spoke for many, many years. I wrote for newspapers. I was a newspaper columnist. I did a lot of that, but it was it was more concise. But when yeah. I spoke, yes, I would get engaged with the audience. Yep. And so I want to make sure you're seeing me first. I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to reiterate it. But in writing, that's not necessary. No, it's not. You're, you're bogging down the reader. I like and that. again, it goes back to the information you leave out is what makes a book great. The information you leave out, folks. There's times we want to put everything in. And it is that simplifying. You know, people are downsizing today. We're decluttering today. We are simplifying our life today. And as writers, we need to simplify in order for the reader not to be bogged down. I really like that word, Larry, because it it makes me think I'm stuck. I'm stuck in like some mire. And so I don't want to be stuck. And I don't want my readers to be stuck either. Okay, this is good. Is there another of your 25 that you'd like to share? We talked about exclamation point. We've talked about progressive tense. We talked about... Well, I don't know that we covered exclamation point as much. You, you said that it was there. What can they use? You said to use words. Just use the words. Use descriptive. Great writing. And I get this from the great C. Smurphy. I heard mm. him say this one time. Great writing is based on strong nouns and strong verbs. Okay. It's that simple. If you need those extraneous words, the qualifiers that I've already talked about, you can add exclamation points to that. You're not conveying your message strong enough that you feel like you need to include those. That's right. If you, It's like if I have to put in an exclamation point, why did I not just write the words that made the reader know that was surprising or that was, you know... Well, and in fiction, and in, in, in story, in nonfiction... The dialogue can carry that as well as the actions of the character mm-hmm. or the per- the POV person. So if you do all of that, you, you won't need an exclamation point. No, no, because you're, you're carrying them along. That's when you have really strong dialogue. And I love a great 
dialogue segment where nothing blocks me, nothing stops me. I start reading and I'm going and I'm right there in the midst of the action. And I'm like, okay, and then, okay, now I have to breathe. And then the the action, the tension, Mm -hmm. because there should be tension between two characters, even if they're allies. Mm. You know, I often, when I teach dialogue, I use the example of the sitcom Frasier. Right. Niles and Frasier were best friends. But if you listen to their dialogue at times, it is off the charts. It is. Even if they want the same thing, they want to go out, but they can't decide what they want to do. There's that back and forth. Granted, their characters, their siblings, we all have siblings that we go back and forth with. But the dialogue, if people want to learn how to write dialogue for fiction, I encourage them to watch episodes of Frasier. Well, Frasier, my husband's, one of his favorite shows is Laverne and Shirley. (laughs) And with Laverne and Shirley, I mean, he's sitting there, the timing, the timing on everything. And we're all about timing. And there is a rhythm and a timing to writing. Yeah. So we got to get in the flow. We've got to be able to look at all of these areas, looking at the um, the qualifiers, I'm right there with you. Don't over exclam- exclamation point your writing. Make sure that your writing exclaims what it needs to. That's a great with way to the say words, it. With the words, I want to I want to go back to something you just said. The flow. Mm-hmm. Something that I notice in particularly new writers. Mm-hmm. New writers usually have a job or they have young kids at home or teenagers, they want to figure out when they can write. And what I have noticed is a lot of them try to write in huge chunks of time. Mm -hmm. And I encourage them to not do that because a new writer usually does not have the discipline to sit down for eight hours and produce material. Right. It's overwhelming. I'm in agreement with you. Uh, even even veteran writers at times will struggle for to sit for eight hours and produce material. So what I like, I encourage them with two th- these two stories. Years ago, I don't remember the author's name. God put it on her heart to write a novel. She's like, oh, great. But I'm homeschooling four kids. Mm. When am I going to have time to write a novel? She prayed about it. She came up with the solution, presented it to her family one night at dinner. She said, I will homeschool the kids every day from nine to five. But for the first 10 minutes of each hour, I will work on my book Mm. uninterrupted. The only way that she was allowed to be interrupted if the kids were burning down the house or killing each other. (laughs) (laughs) With four teenagers, that was a very real possibility. So 10 minutes at a time, she wrote her novel in less than a year. Wow. That's amazing. So you don't need huge chunks of time. The other thing that I encourage them with, say you want to write a book and it's 60,000 words. That's just an easy number to use for the illustration. And you want to write it in six months. Okay, 60,000 words in six months. Wow. How many words is that a month? Well, I mean, if you're going to do it in 10,000. 10,000. Okay. How many weeks do we typically have in a month? Average, four. Four. Mm-hmm. So how many words a week is that? So you're going to have me do math. So I am. So you've got to do at least 25. 2,500 words a week. Right. Okay. Five writing days, because I, I would never encourage anyone to try to write seven days a week. We all need to give mm-hmm. our brain that break. So 
five days a week to write 2,500 words. How many words a day is that? So 500. No, 500 five, words a day. 500 words. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's maybe two full pages, Times New Roman, double space, 12 point in a word talk. Okay, 500 words a day. If they start with 500 words a day, it may take them an hour mm-hmm. initially. But what happens is what they want to write is never that far from their mind because they start thinking about it every day. Okay, when I write again, this is what I want to write about. Mm. The other thing that happens is about a third third week or so, their time quickens. Mm. They might need 45 minutes. And then six weeks in, they see another decrease in their time to write because the wheels are spinning. Yes. And they're gaining momentum and they're moving forward. I like that. So write in short stints, 10 minutes at a time if that's what you have to, or 500 words a day seems to be more manageable than eight hours on a Saturday and you're locked in your room and the family's out doing this and you want to be out with them and... And, and you're on that, you know, the, the missing out and you feel guilty and then you can't yeah. think. I like, I like that you pointed out writers will begin to pre-write mentally throughout the day. Yeah. I really like that because especially in fiction, your characters start speaking to you and, you know, those of you that aren't fiction writers, it's the... You're, you're actually talking to your characters and walking through life with them. And those that write that, they get you. Yep. But in the nonfiction, you're writing your chapters, your segments. Someone will say something to you and you'll go, I had not thought about that. That would fit perfectly in chapter five. Yep. And so you start doing those mental jotting down And I actually do a lot of stuff with my iOS devices. So if I have a thought, years ago, what I used to do was I would call someone from the car and I'd say, write this down because I'm driving. So I'd have friends and I'd just dictate to them because I didn't have a way, but it was in my head. Yeah. So that worked. Today, at least we have safer, safer ways of doing that. (laughs) You could do that. You just gave me an idea. My wife and I, we have a smart home. Oh, nice. And we talk back and forth with each other through our devices. You know, the old intercom system that used to be mounted on the wall. Yes. You might be able to do that there. Absolutely. You know, just activate the voice device and just tell them what you need to say and you can listen to it later. Yeah, that's perfect. We have so many ways to capture what our thoughts are and to capture in short moments. I I like that you said that. Short increments. Yeah. That's really going to give you a lot more meat because you could say a few words that's the core of what you want to write and then you expand it a little bit later. Okay, that's great. What about, you talked about start began. Oh yeah, start. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the rule of thumb with start began, if you use either one of those words, you need to show an interruption of the action or an ending of the action. Okay. For instance... If you wrote, I started walking across the street to get a drink from Clouds here at Ridgecrest, we have to see an interruption. The interruption, you could fall down. Someone could trip you. Someone could just stop you and say, Linda, may I have a moment of your time? Or we need to see an ending of the action. I made it unimpeded. I can get my drink and get back and do my next interview. 
If you don't show an interruption or an ending of that action, you should write simple past tense, I walked over to clouds to get a drink. Instead of the, I started. Because if you started something, it had to stop somewhere. Had to start. Or there's or get no reason to say that. And do we see this in print? Yes. And I'm cringing <laughs> while I say yes. So if you've done it in the past, try to not do that moving forward. Excellent. And again, folks, we're going to have 25 of these for you. The Magic 25, you're going to be able to get your copy and you're going to love it. You're going to grow from it. Now, Larry, I'd love for you to share how you got started in coaching. And you have a number that is fabulous that you shared with me that you have, and I believe it's 15 of your coaching clients have gone on to become award-winning, award-winning authors. That is fabulous. You know, everyone here wants to go, okay, I'm going to take notes. How did that happen? I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably five minutes at a time or 500 words at a time. I can, I'm a quick learner here, so I'm learning from Larry very quickly. But you got started into, you were in journalism. You've been in this industry for so many years, and you've become a coach. And what I know of you, your passion overflows Mm. And right now is when I really wish I did have some video, the sparkle in Larry's eyes when he thinks about, or just even getting ready to talk about working with his clients and, and seeing those that have that promise accomplish their dreams. I wish I could capture that because that says a lot about you, Larry, and I appreciate it. So share with our audience some of that. I became a coach years ago when a publishing house offered coaching to their authors and they contacted me and asked if I wanted to be part of their pool of coaches and I jumped at the opportunity and that's where I cut my teeth as a coach. I want to go back real quick. Sure. When I came into my career at age 18, local sports writer back home in in southwestern PA, two men, both deceased now, Todd Trent I know these names won't mean anything to you. And Jim Creek took me under their wing and taught me the ropes Mm. of being a sports writer. I had no college education at the time. I just, I was hired because in that area, people knew that I knew a lot about sports. Mm -hmm. Okay. And to be able to coach now is my time to give back. Mm. Mm. When I was the news editor in Bradenton, Florida, we had a management workshop. Uh, like 10 weeks. And one thing that stuck with me through that was the success of our people indicate, I don't even remember exactly how it said, but our job was to make the people under us successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as a coach, that that brings me a lot of joy to watch these guys, these men and women that I have the opportunity to work with that trust me to help them. Mm-hmm. Okay. They trust me to take their baby, mm-hmm. okay, what God's called them to write and help them. Do they do the work? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not that guy. He's not, yeah. not going to do all the work for you. No, I, I, I will help you. I will encourage you. I will guide you, but you have to do the work because that's what a coach does. Mm-hmm. 
if I did all the work for them, what are they no. going to learn? No. But to watch them grow, and most people buy a set of packages, and partway through the packages, they start telling me things back. You know, when I read this comment, I knew exactly what you meant. Nice. You know, for instance, I'm a big stickler for starting, not starting sentences with it was. Ah. Because it is generic pronoun, was is typically a passive verb. Well, if we don't know, and again, I'm flipping into coaching mode, sorry. That's okay, that's okay, that's why we're here. If we don't know what it is referring to from the previous sentence, we have this moment of twist, because if it's referring to something later in the same sentence, you know, it's it's quick, but it's still there. So if I highlight it was and write ug mm-hmm. in the comment, they know. They have to rewrite it. You have to tell me what the it is. Yeah. What you've done is you've you stopped the flow, and I need to know what the it is. I will go through, and I will find the it's. I find the that's. I find all of those, and I'm like going, why is that there? <laughs> Oh, and I encourage my clients too. when you go through your manuscript, keep a legal pad of words that you feel like you're using too much. Mm -hmm. And then I teach them a little trick of how to find them quickly with the search and replace. Mm -hmm. I'm a PC guy, so I'm not real sure if this works on a Mac. But if you do a find and replace with the same word, then you can change the replace word to 18 point red. So when you scroll through your manuscript, you can't miss it. Yes. Oh, that's very good. Now, I encourage people that when they do the Magic 25, go through and do each one one at a time. Not all of them at Not the same time. Not all of them, because you may end up with a manuscript that's a lot of 18-point red. But. And you're also going to find that some of your words are going to be letters in a word. Oh, that's true. So there's a way to find whole words only. Okay. So if you type in was and replace with was, do a whole words only because was shows up in wash. Okay. And so, which is a qualifier that we talked about, shows up in some. So if you do uh, whole words only, uh, you'll, you'll yep. only find the words you'll you're looking for. you find the ones that you're looking for. Good. On average, how many coaching clients are you able to work with a year? My max is 10 at a time. Okay. That's good. I'm, Keeps I'm me excited. busy. <laughs> I'm thinking it does. I'm thinking that it's absolutely busy. But you talked about the sparkle in my eye. <laughs> I love when they get it. Yeah. I talked about that a minute ago when they start telling me things back and I hear their enthusiasm. And then when they contact me, you know what? This agent wants my entire manuscript. Yeah. Or I just won this award at a conference. I just signed a contract with so-and-so. You know, it's, it just makes you feel your purpose is accomplishing much more. You're, you're actually working beyond yourself. Everything that you're doing is to help the other person. As you said, I was getting a vision of the ladder, right? The fastest way up a ladder, if that's where people decide they want to go is by helping others up ahead of you. And I think that that's really part of our calling as Christian writers is to come alongside others whenever we can, to mentor whenever we can. And if we have the opportunity to coach, which I love coaching as well, is to be able to see that dream attained, to be able to see here, because I do a lot of Zoom, you know, and, and all of this, but to watch their eyes go, oh, 
I got it. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, you're saying this. And then they start working the magic themselves and win-win. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just nitpicking on words. I know Mm -hmm. we've spent some time, but to sit and brainstorm plot point Mm -hmm. or a message Mm -hmm. or a character arc in fiction, a personality of a character, not just their height, their weight, you know, what kind of job, but what do they want? Why do they want to be part of that story? If it's the uh, protag, why do they want to tell that story now? You know, that's all the kind of stuff that I deal with in coaching. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when, when they get it and the eyes just light up, yes. it's like, oh, I can do this. It's so sweet. It yeah. is so sweet. Larry, it has been such a blessing having you here. I've enjoyed this. This is one of the first in-person that I've been able to do since COVID. And just sitting across from you is just a blast. Thank you so much for taking out precious time that you have. We are at the Blue Ridge Conference. And I just am very, very happy that we did have this opportunity to be here together. Thank you so much. And a a last word that you'd like to share with our writers before we head off the air today. Linda, thank you again for having me. It's been a privilege. My last word would be, don't let the enemy discourage you. Mm. Because when we do things for for our father, the enemy wants to derail us, either with a health issue or a computer issue, or sit on your shoulder and chirp in your ear all day. That sentence is horrible. No one's going to buy this book. Oh, you really use that verb? You know what? Just take the other hand and knock him off. Amen. And you may have to do it a thousand times in a writing session. But you know what? When the enemy's bothering you, know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because if he's not bothering you, he's not worried. No. And we want him worried. We want him worried. We want shaken shaking happening every time our feet hit the ground or our fingers hit the keyboard exactly absolutely it has been a pleasure thank Thank you you so much i hope to have you back on i love to thank you and thank you for all of you that have been listening in today i hope that there was one nugget that you got we have at least 25 more coming your way when you download larry's absolutely wonderful magic 25 i look forward to finding out more about you Take a moment, if you would, please, and rate us. Maybe give us a little bit of a review. And we'd love for you to share that we are out here with your friends, your best writing life. It's all about what God is doing in and through you. And you know what? He's got something out there that you don't even, you can't even imagine about yet. So don't give up. Press forward and press that little rate and review key. I'd love to be able to see some stars happening out there. I'll see you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.